Well, well, well. Welcome back, everybody. We're on episode three now. Time flies, man. Time flies. I already had episode three. That's crazy. Um, today, we have a special guest joining us. I'll let him introduce himself. He's a very fabled man around these parts. Go ahead, Mr. Zing. Uh, hi, my name is Luca Zing. Um, I'm a TCG player from the GTA area. I've been playing for about seven years now. Uh, I have a few accomplishments. I top eight at Pittsburgh this year. That's about it. I'm excited for Toronto Regionals next week. boy. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, just a couple accomplishments. I just top eight at like the biggest regional ever. It's just, let's chill, let's chill. Um, joining me also always is Kieran. Kieran, you want to say a couple of wise words for the viewers? What's going on, everybody? Happy to be back with episode three and our first guest on the pod. This is a big episode. He was also your first guest on your YouTube channel, right? He was the first guest on YouTube. Hey, my YouTube, I, I'm impressed. I've got a thousand subscribers in three weeks. Lucas and I hit 10K on the Chen Pal guide, so it's going way better than I could have expected. So Lucas is good luck. The Chen Pal guy popped. The Chen Pal guy did, a, did numbers. You know what, man? It's actually just Lucas Diff. I it think at the Lucas end of the Diff. day, it's just Lucas Diff. <laughs> it is what it is, bro. Uh, okay, let's hop into it. Um, Kieran, unfortunately, has a job, so we don't have all the time in the world to record today. Um, I'm working on getting him to quit, but it's not working very well. Y'all need to subscribe to his YouTube so he can quit. Um, so today, we're going to go over whatever we saw in Sacramento. And I say whatever because I don't really know what we saw. And, and I think a lot of people kind of are in the same boat where they're like, what the hell just happened? So we'll go over that, see what's going on with that. And then we'll, we'll preview Toronto a little bit. Um, I've been talking to a couple people this week. I've never seen so many lost individuals in my life, so try and provide some insight for everybody. That's every tournament. Everyone's um, always like, "Oh, I'm lost." That is every tournament. Play. Yeah, right now it's just I don't know, man. It seems worse than usual, but we'll we'll, we'll go through it. Um, okay, let's start with. I, I want to hear your guys's takes on whatever happened in Top Cut in Sacramento, and I say whatever because. We had Arceus and we had Lugia, and I don't think anybody saw those two final, uh, finaling Sacramento. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw Lugia doing fine. Like, Lugia's a tier one deck. It's good. Yeah, the Arceus deck with Gyarados, that was definitely a little out of left field. But to be honest, like, I can kind of see how he did well. Like, I don't think the Gyarados gave him much use, but, like, Arceus with V-Guard energy, it trades well into Lugia from what I was watching. It beats Lost Box in theory, which we saw a 25% conversion into day two. So, honestly, the dude probably just hit lots of good matchups, and it was just his tournament. So, that's what I think was uh, was going on. He cooked. Lucas, what do you think? I mean, Path Judge is very strong. Path Judge is very strong. Yes. As we saw in Peoria, Rowan's top four deck was like mute, UT mute with uh, Path and Judge. And so he kind of took a similar approach with that strategy, but we knew that'd be more spirit to him this weekend because of the because of how Rowan did last weekend. So he kind of adapted probably to an Arceus, you know, Judge Path deck. And it's very strong into Gardevoir. It's very strong into Lugia. It's very strong into Lost Box, all these decks. Disruption is very powerful right now. I don't know why he played Gyarados. I think I think I feel like I saw somewhere that it was his favorite Pokemon. If that's true, that's that's sick. No, I saw I saw he said on Twitter his logic was that you against Charizard decks you like judge path them and then you use Gyarados first attack, which like discards energy. And his logic is oh. you run them out of energy. <laughs> so I mean, like I kind of it's kind of it, sick. But I feel like if your strategy is to like have a better Charizard matchup, like is there not a Grass Vmax that's just better? Like as I another way to discard energy is just to knock out your opponent's active. So <laughs> like I feel like that might be better, but. Honestly, kudos to him, man. Like, that's actually sick that we saw Gyarados VMAX yeah. in the finals of regional. 
Yeah, and like I, I already planned that our clickbaity title is just going to be Gyarados in all caps. Like it's, it's <laughs> such a talking point. It's it's pretty it crazy. Is. I'm looking at his Poke stats right now and like what he played against. Um, I see five Lost Box and like five Gardevoir and a few Lugias. So like, oh, I'm surprised like he did well against Gardevoir. It's pretty good. That matchup seems yeah. really bad for his deck. So, what was Goes his record against bro. Gardevoir? Uh. There's one win, sorry, two wins, one tie, and then there's one that's a question mark, but I'm pretty sure the guy was playing Gardevoir, so I think it's okay. three wins, Interesting. one tie. That's impressive, because, yeah, like, Gardevoir seems like it would it would farm that deck just because, um, I mean, Shining Arcana Gardevoir trades well. You have Zacian as well, so mm-hmm. I'm sure he had some secret sauce to beating Gardevoir then. You yeah, asked to copy get angry, man. You. <laughs> 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 Get angry as jokes. I remember like seeing that card for the first time like two years ago at Vancouver Regionals. I didn't even know it was still legal, bro. Yeah, I had yeah, no yeah. Idea. yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know it was a card. Like still, like that was crazy. No man, it, it, I think it was good. I think it was good. We needed yeah. something non tier one to win or do well. Just yeah. so we can no, I was cheering out. for him once he got to the final. Even when it, once he yeah. got to the top cut, I'm like, yo, I hope this Gyarados deck goes all the way. So I mean, that's how they match was the insane. Other- it was insane. The uh, the get angry miss, and then we had the. The like research missing the jet energy, like honestly, like that's it makes Pokemon exciting when it's like that when you're yeah unironically on the edge of your seat seeing if uh, someone's gonna draw it. But anyways, let's yeah. let's move on to the other deck that was dominating top eight. So Lugia took up four spots of top eight after completely flopping Peoria. It actually didn't have a high meta share either. It was only at eight percent both days. But you, I think we kind of saw like this is how meta games kind of develop. Like Lost Box took over, and the Lugias just farmed the Lost Box to the top. I think. One guy, Charlie Kerr, faced 11 lost box out of 15 rounds. So, uh, what do you guys think about, about Lugia and its uh, its performance this weekend? All four in top eight were also colorless versions. Right. Lucas, you can go ahead first if you want. So, colorless is the way to go right now. It's, like, a lot better than single strike. Single strike just feels very pretty underwhelming right now. Um, I also think that the lack of Maridon definitely helped uh, Lugia do well at this tournament. I think... You know, in pure, like the East Coast players really like Maridon, so I think there was probably just like less of the meta share in the West. And Snorlax is a broken card, like for a one prize attacker. Kieran loves Snorlax, I know. <laughs> that card's really strong right now. Uh, Weirdier can blow up things. It's just like, you know, it's just Lugia. Like, we know how good it is, but people finally like figured out like the most optimal way to play it right now. Yeah, I mean, Lucas, you kind of you kind of said colorless is better than single strike. Do you mind expanding? Because I've been talking to people. There's been a little bit of a debate if if colorless or single strike is the way to go with the the current meta. Um, I just think I like um colorless more because I feel like it's more versatile. Because I feel like you're you have like really only like two good attackers in um single strike. Like depending on the matchup, obviously Stone Journey is good or Evil Tall is good. But like you're mainly attacking with like Titar or like. Uh, Lugia, and I sometimes like I'm even attacked with Archeops, and I feel like your your energies just feel a lot more scarce in that in that deck because you're running more items to retrieve your single strike energies that can only be attached to single strike Pokemon. So your your strategy feels very linear and feels like less uh, versatile than uh, Carlos because they have Carlos has so many attackers. They have Snorlax, they have Weirdier. You can attack with Drapion. Um, you can attack with Radiant Charizard. They play the Luxray too, I think. Um, they they have a play of more variety of energies. Like I feel like I like having a lot of jet energies in the deck, but you can't play a lot of jet energies in um, the single strike version. So I just think overall the colorless version is more versatile, and it has better prize mapping because you're using a lot of one prizes. And then you have weirder to like literally obliterate anything. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think just the the main thing is that Colgate's version just spams Snorlax and has just such a such a solid prize map, uh, which I think is interesting. But I think Lugia. So this is kind of like how I kind of met a game for tournaments. Like Lugia, okay, we saw it was like fourteen percent or something in Peoria. It went down to eight percent in Sacramento. I assume now people are gonna be like, oh, the deck's actually good. Pick it up. Then you're probably gonna have other people be like, oh, like Lugia is gonna be big. Like let's play Maridon. So like now Maridon's probably gonna come up in meta share again. So uh let's talk about that like what do you guys kind of think uh the results this weekend how are they going to influence the meta game we're going to see in toronto and neil do you want to go first yeah yeah just touching on lugia for a sec like uh, and as i said last week i played it in peoria and i thought it was a good medical for what it was and it just it wasn't but we've talked about this before how like the metagame shifts and when you have a metagame that's like this where it's everything's kind of on par and like that sub 10 percent one week something's gonna pop off and the next week the counter's gonna pop off and it's just over and over so lost box popped off then lugia popped off it's actually like it's uncanny and I, now i think you're right i think now maridon's gonna pop off or maybe something else that like, kind of counters lugia yeah, I mean, also, like, we could see Lugia do well again. Like, if, if you just dodge Maridon, like, and you have good matchups, like, you, you will do well, so. Yeah, and Maridon's not impossible either. If you play Dunsparce, it's not impossible. It's just, it's not great. Um, but Charlie Kerr was playing uh, Lugia, like you said, and I'm looking at his, his page right now. There's 10 Lost Zone engines that he played against. 10. That is insane. That's insane. And, like, to be honest, like, to be totally honest, like, there's, it's not as free as people think. Like, if they hit a turn one Raikou, you're in trouble. Because a lot of the time, you're only getting down one Lugia. You're in trouble. So, it's actually kind of impressive. That that requires you to, one, start Lugia. Uh, your opponent gets seven in the loss zone turn one and have Raikou. Um, which I think a lot of yeah. the good players adopted Raymond's list, which doesn't even have that option. But I, I get what you're saying. Like, I think the turbo version is, like, super free for Lugia, especially if you start Snorlax. The Kyogre version, like, you can lose just because Kyogre at the end of the game can just clean up. But... Also, like, a lot of Lugias weren't playing, almost all of them weren't playing the Radiant Serena. So I think if you're a Lost Box player, that's a good call-out if you face a Lugia. If you don't think they have the Serena, you can just Greninja two Archeops and next turn Sableye to clean them both off the board. I think that's a good way to, yeah. to try and win the game. And Colorless Lugia just does not play Serena, period. Like, there's so yeah. few that actually play Serena because they want Zard. And, well, interestingly enough, too, he did actually lose to one Kyogre. I think Kyogre's closer just because yeah. of Raikou and they can just blow you up late game, but... Yeah, you're right. Like, it's so cyclical. Like, we'll see what happens in Toronto, but it's probably going to be a counter to the counter. Yeah, then uh, what else was in top eight here? I think Gardevoir was in top eight. Not surprised to see that. Uh, I think Gardevoir is just, like, such a strong deck. Like, I think it's probably, like, the best deck. The problem is, like, you're just going to tie a bunch of games. Like, I think on a game-to-game basis, Gardevoir is probably the strongest deck. But as a best of three deck, like, I don't know if it's the strongest. Like, Gardevoir is one of my top picks for Toronto, but... I mean, we saw, I saw Brent Tonneson had like four ties day one. I saw Henry Brand, he was, he was hanging in there. He just missed top eight. What do you guys think about Gardevoir going into Toronto? I think Gardevoir is really strong. Um, obviously, it's like in a perfect world, like best of one, Gardevoir would be the best deck. Like, I, I think that's why it has so much success in Asia is that because it's best of one. And like ties are obviously very worrying because, you know, we don't like having six ties. But... I think Gardevoir is really well positioned right now. It's obviously still very strong. It has good matchups across most of the board. You'd probably play a Temple of Sinnoh now because of the Lugia share like going up. Um, but I actually really like Brent Tonneson's list. The one he played to Peoria. He got top eight Peoria and then he played it again to Sacramento. I think his list is actually really strong. I like how he has... like It's very consistent. I like the Mew EX. I think if you're playing Gardevoir, you should be playing Mew EX. I think it's very strong to the, uh, the Zard matchup. Hmm. So why do you think it's super strong to the Zard matchup? 
so the way like when the testing i've been doing i've seen like so the gardevoir player will take like an initial knockout with like a reversal guardy and then the zard player will respond and then the the board state will usually get to like the gardevoir player will be at four prizes and the the zard player will be at three and then the sorry how do i describe this? the gardevoir player will respond kill a zard ex with a like a big zacian and then bench Mew EX on the same turn. So they go to two, and the Zard's at three. So if they boss around the Zacian to avoid the Mew, then the Zacian will just come back and kill it. But if they kill the Zacian, then the Mew's just gonna come up and kill the Zard. So that's why like they need the Rad Zard, and they have to like Iono and hope they don't hit boss. Hmm, interesting. That's an interesting prize map. Uh, I've actually never thought about that application in Mew. Because mainly for me, I was just thinking about Mew, I'm like, oh, this is like copies of Greninja. Like, this is his use, but that's actually interesting. Uh, just a little bit more utility in that Charizard matchup. Nice. Uh, okay, what other decks were in top 8? I think we had Lost Zone was in top 8. I think we had two. Yeah, we had two Kyogres. We had Azul playing Raymond's version, and then we had Sawyer playing the Turbo version. Uh, where do you guys think Lost Zone Kyogre is kind of situated going into to Toronto? Uh, Anil, do you want to kind of give us your thoughts first, maybe? It's strong, dude. It's strong. And I think it's going to be it's gonna be around. Like, we know our local meta as well. Like, the three of us know it really well. A lot, of, a, lot, a lot of Kyogre players, a lot of Lost Zone players. I think it's going to be strong. I think it's going to show up. Um... As has been shown before, like one man, if he doesn't solve that matchup, there's not like one single card that does solve that matchup. And I think because of that, and like the amount of maneuverability you have with the list as well, you, like you said, you can play it like Raymond's version, you can play it like a more of a turbo version. There's so many different things you can go at. And I don't really think that, well, I don't know. It, it depends on how you view it. But I think overall, I think it, it probably has one of the best spreads, it, like just into the meta in general. And so, uh, just for that reason, I think it's going to be strong. I think it's going to be kind of everywhere. And there's a lot of, there's also, I was looking down the list right now. There's a lot of Chen Pao, like around like the top like 64 area, and I think that also kind of plays into its its favor a little bit. Yeah, I'd say Kyogre, like just Lawson in general. I do think it has such a strong matchup spread. Like again, like you have to be a super strong player to play Lawson decks. Like Kyogre, it's like if you mess up your prize mapping, your resource thinning, you can't get to that Kyogre turn. Uh, you're gonna have some trouble. But if you are a really good Lost Zone player, like you practice a lot and you're confident, like I think it's it's always just a solid solid pick. I actually one one call it like if you're playing a deck like Maridon, uh, do you think it's ever worth it to play Manaphy in your deck? Because just from watching like all the stream games, like I do think Kyogre is like a horrible matchup for that deck. But if you can surprise your opponent with a Manaphy at the end, do you think that's enough to swing the matchup? Is it even worth considering that as an inclusion? Uh, Lucas, what do you think? Man, I, I was actually just thinking about this. Um, it's definitely helpful because usually the prize mapping for the the Lost Box player is just take a two-prize knockout with like your Zamazenta or Dragonite and then Kyogre for four. So you kind of put them in a more awkward position because it, it forces them to do one extra turn of Sableye to kill the Manaphy. I think maybe you played Manaphy Super Rod or like a Manaphy Claw or like a way to get Manaphy back. You'd like auto-win that matchup actually now. But just playing Manaphy might not be enough. It depends on how fast you go up in the prize trade. Then Manaphy would be very impactful. But if you're kind of like trading back and forth, I think the Lost Box player can afford to take the turn to kill it with the Sableye. So maybe if you played a Super Rod and Manaphy, I think you're, the, the matchup would swing into your favor. But just Manaphy might not be enough. Yeah, I think my gut reaction is like, no. And that list is so tight. Like, that Maradon list, it may not seem like it to us, but I'm around a lot of Maradon sexuals in my day-to-day -day life, and I can tell you for a fact that they have no idea what to cut. Like, they're trying to cut for one card, they've got nothing. And the thing is, too, like, if you're teching that hard for a matchup, just play a different deck, bro. Like, if you're playing Manaphy Super Rod, just, just play a different deck. 
I mean, okay, okay, but like, let's say Lost One's like a fifteen percent deck, and like, it's not like Super Odd doesn't have applications in other matchups. For example, if you play like a recovery card, I mean, like for example, like Gardevoir plays Temple of Sinnoh for like one matchup that's usually ten to fifteen percent. So, mm -hmm. I think, I think it's like you could like I think Manaphy is also strong when your opponent doesn't know you play it. Like if I'm playing Kyogre, like I'm never assuming my Maradon players opponents playing mana. Yeah, so they drop that when they're at two prizes. Like that just like ruins my game plan. So I probably still wouldn't play it, but I just thought it was like an interesting call out uh, as maybe a way you can adapt to the metagame. Uh, okay, then Anil, you mentioned Chen Pao earlier. Uh, obviously, you have the two biggest Chen Pao enjoyers on this podcast. <laughs> yes, I do. So Lucas, can you give me your thoughts on Chen Pao, its position in the meta, and going into Toronto? Um, I, I it's not looking good. I wish it was good because I love to play the deck, <laughs> but it's not looking good. Into Peoria, it looked insane because of the insane share of um, what's it called of Zard. Yeah, there was like a huge amount of Zard at Peoria, and that's like a really good matchup for Chen Pao, and like that died off really fast. Um, like at Sacramento, but it's hard to say because Carlos Luke is actually a pretty good matchup, I think, for Chen Pao because they don't trade really well into Chen Pao at all. Um. But it's just like there's so many like awkward matchups. Like your loss on matchup is not that good. Your ride on matchup is kind of sketchy. You know these new Arceus decks. Like Judge Path is scary for the deck. Like really scary for the deck. And it's just like it feels like there's a lot going against Chen Pao for it to succeed at the moment. Especially with the rise of Lost Fox. Yeah, I I kind of agree. Like I think, yeah, I think Charizard. Like I think Charizard was the most played deck day one, but I think it kind of fell off day two. Gardevoir is its other best matchup, and like Gardevoir's again, it just hovers around that 10%. So you have two, I'd say probably like 20 25% of the meta is like very strong matchups. And then, but then when you, I'd say Lost Zone is one of the deck's poorer matchups. So we have been seeing like a lot of Lost Zone. Um, but honestly, like I think if we see a shift to more Lugia and like that takes out the Lost Zone, like it kind of could open up a pathway for Chen Pao um, if you're playing that, you make day two. But like you're saying, like it's Maradon matchup is fairly close. I'd say that's a 50-50 matchup. It's Lugia matchup, I'd say it's fairly close. That's a 50-50 matchup. So you have a lot of like iffy 50-50s, and then your worst matchup kind of has been dominating lately. So I'm still considering Chen Pao. I still think it's a strong deck. I just think it's a little dicey, and you're going to have to have Tom pair you against the right decks if you're going to have a good run. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with the deck. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, well, I mean, anytime you want to have a good run, you need Tom to help you out a little bit, our buddy Tom. I don't think there's much of a choice most of the time. Uh, like, even well, even now, like, I'm yeah. looking through people's Pokestats, and, like, we talked about this last week, how every time you see someone go on a big run, you're like, well, that guy hit the matchups he needed to hit. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. All right, so we've talked about most of the decks. Let's move on to Charizard, our most popular deck in the day one meta. Do you guys think Charizard is going to be the most popular deck uh, again? And, like, where do you think it's kind of situated in our metagame right now? Uh, Anil, why don't you go first? No. That's it. No? Just, just no. <laughs> just no. It can't happen, man. Not again. Like, I think I think these decks gain a lot of steam when they perform. And I'm not saying Charizard has been performing, but it's definitely not as, like, as popular in top 8s and top 16s as you see, like, Lugia and Lost Box and stuff like that. So I think as much as people do enjoy Charizard, I think it's kind of coming back down to Earth a little bit now. Um, I think... In Peoria, obviously, it was really hyped. In Sacramento, it was really hyped as well. But I think now into Toronto, we get a better grasp of, like, kind of what the meta is. I think you might see a little bit less Charizard. Yeah, Lucas, what do you think? Um, I think Charizard will have a high day one meta share. But I think it'll fall off really hard going to day two. I think, like, 
it's just a, like it's like a solid deck and like charizard's a really cool pokemon so people would just play it anyways and it's not like it's a bad deck um so like my logic for day it's really hard to predict day one because i feel like people would just play whatever they want to play like there's so many people in day one that you can't really say for sure what's going to happen but i think like zard is just a popular deck right now it's a cool deck like it's a it's charizard so there's an appeal to that so I think it'll have a day one meta share, but I don't think it's well positioned in the meta. So I think it'll fall off really hard going into day two. I mean, yeah, I think it'll still be one of the most popular decks. I just think instead of it being like clear number one, it'll just drop like with all the other decks to that like 12 to 15% to meta share. I think just another call about day one, like something I've noticed like almost every tournament, like when I'm on Pokestats, because they have like that feature where you can just go on standings and like see who's doing well. As we start getting deeper and deeper into day one, like if you look at the top meta decks, like it's almost always just becomes like Lost Zone, Lugia, and then a couple other random decks. So I think just it's kind of hard to predict this, but I do find like if you start off a tournament very well, the meta game starts to kind of consolidate a little bit more. So decks like your Lost Zone start becoming more popular. Decks like your Lugia start becoming a little more popular. Decks like your Charizard, your Maridon, they start to fall off a little bit. So uh, if you consider yourself like a strong player and you think... And obviously everyone here should have the goal of making it to where it's day two. I think that's something to keep in mind too, is that you can't just like look at a day one metagraph that we always have and be like, oh, like this is my odds of hitting decks as the tournament goes on. It starts to consolidate. So I'd start looking at like the day two metagraph as a better idea of what you're going to start facing as you go deeper in the tournament. But yeah, I think that's that's a good shout on Charizard. So like, also let's talk about another deck with a loyal following. Kind of talked about it a bit. Like, what do you guys think about Maridon? So like, Lucas, you mentioned earlier that you, you were kind of considering it. So uh, can you give me your thoughts on Maridon right now? Um, I think Judge Path is really strong right now. Obviously, like how we saw, like the RCS player did really well, and I think Rhydon's the best use of that strategy right now. Like RCS feels like it doesn't have a high enough damage output, and the Mew feels like it can get countered too hard by a Spear too. Um, and Rhydon just like it's pretty like, like I feel like it's pretty consistent. I honestly haven't done too much testing with it, so like maybe I like my word isn't very accurate right now. But I think it has a pretty strong matchup into Lugia, which is really popular right now. It has a good Charizard matchup. It has a decent ride, um, decent Chimpao matchup. Its Gardevoir is, I think, iffy. I think it's, like, unfavored. But I think you can kind of cheese them with Judge Path. I think you cheese them with Judge Path. But I think it just, it's, like, it has the appeal of being fast. It has the appeal of, like, being disru like disruptive. It has the energy acceleration. It has versatile attackers. So I think, yeah, like, I think Chempao is actually pretty well positioned right now. And especially now that we're in the East Coast, like, I feel like the East Coast players love Chempao, especially the state of Ohio. I'm right on, right on. <laughs> yeah. Not Chempao. Oh, no, the state of Ohio. Oh, sorry, did I say Chempao? Yeah. <laughs> but the the state of Ohio, the state of, I, I, I can't get it out. It's the best deck. No, but like the, <laughs> I think Andrew Mahone's group really loves Chempao. Like they did really well recently in Peoria and Pittsburgh. Like I think Jesse Parker got second and then into a top eight and then i think one of their other team members got like top four at peoria yeah, so like they're doing yeah they're doing really well with the deck and then our locals here also love ride on for some reason yeah i i just like another good call let's talk about that so we're obviously all like basically toronto guys so we can kind of talk about the local metagame and yeah our local metagame is always dominated by i'd say Maridon and lost box and Bro, chen pao now i've seen chen pao like everyone's playing <laughs> chen pao now oh yeah i see a lot of chen pao now <laughs> yeah uh so if you're if you're curious what the toronto locals like to play i'd say those are the three most popular decks and i would say we have like some of our top players like raymond like those type of guys like they do love playing lost box so like there will be a decent amount of lost box from i think a lot of our top players here but i'd say like the average toronto local like they love playing Rhydon and chen pao those are the two two decks i'd keep your eye on um, against toronto locals 
a lot of big like blow up decks like especially at, at league cups people just like to like walk in and know whether they won or lost in five minutes so there's a lot of like a lot of that it might switch a little bit like from our locals as well going into like a tournament like this where you're like okay my rounds don't last five minutes anymore but just touching on yellow chen pao just for a little bit for a sec um i think it's gonna take a it's gonna hit an uptick as well because you're favored into like literally everything that top aided except for the lost no box so i think that's also huge Gardevoir and, too. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Gardevoir as well. Um, and I think as much as like Arc Jank is getting hype now, like just general Arc Jank, like you take favorable matchups into all of those as well. So I think people are gonna see that and be like, "Yo, might be time for some Yellow Chen Pao." Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I am a ride on hater. I call it mid ride on. But I actually do think like this is probably the most favorable the meta game is ever gonna be for it. Like we're probably gonna see an uptick in Lugia. We're probably gonna see that Lugia take out some of the, the loss zone, which is one of your worst matchups. Uh, Gardevoir is your other worst matchup, but Gardevoir is always just like a 10% deck. And like Gardevoir usually goes in the tie bracket and Maridon doesn't go into the tie bracket. So like usually like no. as long as you're not tying games, like Maridon I think you can start dodging that. the Gardevoir. So if you're a Maridon player, uh, like I actually think it's good for you this weekend. And also like, like Lucas has been saying, like judge path, like. I think this is why a lot of people, like myself included, don't think Maridon is good. Because in theory, like, its matchups aren't good. But when you have that consistency and you have judged path, like, you just give yourself a chance in, like, every single matchup if your opponent stumbles. So, I agree with you guys. I think Maridon is is primed for, for a big finish this weekend. And I wouldn't be surprised to see one or even two in our top eight. Uh, and then also speaking about... to play Kyogre. Sorry? Time to play Kyogre. <laughs> All right. And then yeah, also actually, speaking though. of the Toronto actually, metagame, though. another deck that Toronto locals love to play is Mew VMAX, including our very own Anil. So Anil, how is Mew positioned going into Toronto regionals here? I don't claim. I don't claim any Mew bots other than myself. Um, I think, uh, you know what? I, I think it's all right. I think I think Rowan really broke through with it. There's a couple guys. I think most of the guys who played Mew were Toronto guys, even in Peoria. There's a lot of them. Um, I think it's in a good spot. I think Mew Grabber is actually quite good, and I think some people are considering it, especially with how much colorless Lugia is around. Um, but you never know, man. Like, like you said, just judge Pathex. You never know what you're gonna get. Like, you can get yourself bricked out too, because like as much as Mew Path enjoys Path to the Peak, it doesn't enjoy getting Path to the Peak when you're not ready. So with all this stuff going around, all these Arc Janks, all these like Maridons and stuff, it's it's low key kind of scary. So as much as I think the deck is good, I think there's also some warning signs. Like Kyogre is a big warning sign. It you is. see that, you're like, oh, that's uh, it's kind of scary. Um, could you play a couple tech cards? Maybe you can play a Crystal Cave. Maybe you can play Penny. Some stuff like that. Like it helps, but I don't think it, I don't think it swings that matchup by any means. So I think it's going to be your typical like five to six percent meta share, and then we'll see where it goes from there. But it's uh, it's not a bad deck for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think uh, just one call out though is Mew has a very good Maridon matchup. So if we do see Maridon coming back up, does it for Mew? And the other thing is, I think it's like it does. yeah, everyone I talk to like they say yeah. it's like like it's, even like I, I think I listened to the Maridon players podcast and they said Mew's a bad matchup. So really, uh, don't they play? Because like, how are you trading with Mew? Don't uh, they play, play Drapion anymore? They don't. I remember the old list play Drapion. Drapion fine. The old list play Drapion. Okay, sure. I don't know. Oh, if you play Drapion is fine. Yeah. All right. I'm pretty sure the old list play Drapion. That's what I'm saying, right? It's like. Like, uh, mute anti-techs are, like, at an all-time low. Like, even last weekend, like, I don't think I saw any of the top eight lists, like, packing Spirit Tomb or Drapion. So, that's the thing, though, with Mew, is, like, if someone oh. plays a Spirit Tomb and you're playing DT Mew, like, you're done. Like, if someone's playing Drapion, like, your matchup instantly becomes way worse. So, that's a little scary, but 
let's maybe talk about that. Would you guys play a Drapion or would you play a Spiritomb going into Toronto? No. No? No? I would not. Okay, well, I if it, wouldn't either. So I think some decks you can, really? like, fit a Drapion in, but, like, why would I? I'm just, like, okay, my logic is Mute is literally, like, one of the lowest, like, meta share decks, like, right now. Like, even though it's a good deck, it just does not take up, like, don't, not many people really play the deck. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if I hit one. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if I hit one or two at all, like, through day one and day two. But for me to include a card, like, I have to hit that matchup, like, at least four, three or four times for me to care, like, want to actively put in a tech for it. Hitting Mew once or twice is not, like, merit, doesn't give me enough incentive to play a Spirit Tomb. Yeah, I think one, one thing to call it is, like, if you're going to play a tech card in your deck, you normally want it to have utility in other matchups. And, like, things like Spirit Tomb, like, it kind of has utility against Lugia, but, like, nothing else. Like, Drapion, like, for most decks, like, it, it has utility against Gardevoir. So, like, for example, like, Lugia plays Drapion. Like, that makes sense, because you can use it to knock out Gardevoir. But, like, like Lugia is saying, like, it's a 5% meta share deck. Like, even if I play against the Mew, like, my Mew matchup is probably still winnable, even without these techs. So, if I can just use that slot to a card that maybe, like, improves my deck's consistency like helps a more popular matchup like i just think that is improving my win rate over the tournament overall instead of just like hard countering a specific deck that isn't that popular well i don't know i wanted to chime in on this too i was gonna say right, something uh like whether or not we like touched on it i think this is like the best time ever to play spirit tomb and, and and this is my take just because it has a lot of i think it has a lot of applications that are not mew and that's something you you kind of touched on as well um, from playing Lugia as much as I as I did in the last couple weeks, I realized how much you're reliant on fish, and how much like one spirit tomb actually like switches everything for you sometimes. And it's also applicable into Zard, where and my buddy brought this up. I never really thought about this, but he said you can't even Pidgeot v Forest Stone if there's a spirit tomb in play, right? So you stop that application. I mean, you, you can stop still Forest Stone. You just can't shuffle the Pidgeot back. Yeah, you just can't shuffle it back. Yeah. Um, you can't you can't use fish in any matchup. It also helps with fleet foots. Like I think there are more upsides than there are downsides to it, especially given that tomb is like a one prizer. Like it's one of those like who really cares kind of things. And if there's one thing I've learned over my life in the last year, it's never disrespect Mew. Never. I disrespect him every day. Every day. <laughs> yeah. One thing is actually I was thinking about is we have seen kind of a little bit of an uptick in these like random Arceus decks. Uh, and one one partner they play is Alolan Vulpix. So if you play Spirit Tomb in your Gardevoir deck, you you auto win that as well. Very niche scenario, but I guess all right. Now that I'm talking about it, there's probably like a 10 to 15 percent of decks you're gonna face application for Spirit Tomb. So actually, I don't hate it as much. I probably still won't play it, but it'll definitely be be something on my radar. I just think that bench space is very important right now. Like you like each deck needs a lot to like lot of bench space to set up. Like I know Aiden Koos played a Spirit Tomb in his Chimpow deck. And I was like, that made no sense to me because I feel like I use all six of my bench face. No, I, I disagreed with him too. I, it takes up. <laughs> I feel like the Chempao uses all like you need all six of your bench space, like crucially for like um, two barrels, two backscalpers, Chempao Greninja. And I feel like a lot of decks are like that right now, and the like where they're in a position where they can't afford to be giving up a bench space. The only deck I think I'd actually ever play Spirit Tomb in right now is Gardevoir, because it obviously is very easily searchable because it's like a uh, psychic attacker. Um... It helps versus Lugia, it helps versus Mew. So I think, like, Gardevoir is the only deck that actually take a Spirit Tomb in. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Cool. All right, uh, all right. then let's talk about Arc Piles now. So obviously Nicolo got second. 
So that might inspire all of our, our ARC enjoyers to come out of the woodworks with whatever they have. So, Anil, I know you, you sometimes used to be an ARC enjoyer. Can you tell me, what do you think is the best partner for Arceus going into Toronto? That's a tough one because I think it only really – well, I mean, there's that other list that came ninth as well. I don't know if it's up yet. I don't think it is. Um, there's that other like – Yeah, I think I saw him post Yeah, it, it was spicy. With like Tuma Wile or something. like. Yeah, like I don't know. I, I liked Art – I liked Arceus when Inteleon was in the format and you kind of had like control of what you were doing past turn one or sorry, turn two. Um, but like, yeah, I definitely think there's some merit to it now. I definitely think uh, Arceus Sharon's is pretty strong in whatever way you, you want to apply it. Um, I also think Duraludon is insane. And I was like considering Duraludon going into Peoria even. It's like this card is nuts because if you just hit Lugia and you evolve to that VMAX, legit the game is over. Like they scoop on the spot. That's that's pretty good for a two card include. The only thing is, right? Like obviously, like it'd be more splashable if you didn't have to have fighting and, and metal energies. I'd, I'd do. I'd put it in anything. I don't care. I'd put it in Gardevoir if I didn't have to have fighting and metal energies. I just win. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there's there's a meta share for Arceus now. Yeah, I agree. Just a quick call. If you're a Lugia player and you're playing as a Dura deck, if you boss their Dura and just hit it with a Snorlax or something, you can use Mew EX to copy Dura's attack to knock it out after. If they only have one. If they have two, like you're gonna lose. But True. That's your one saving grace. Still bad. <laughs> and also, I just looked up the guy's list. So yeah, he was playing. Uh, it was basically like mainly an Arceus deck. He played four three Arceus. He had a one one Duraline, and then he played two two Bib and two Mawile with a Radiant Alakazam. So uh, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, two like Mawile to get around rope. Yeah, or it was that, and like I think he just said like if you play against like Charizard or something, like they can Lost City Mawile if they start Mew, and then like you just have the second one and you just win. So, super interesting, because obviously, like, Mawile also auto-wins, like, Gardevoir, if they ever bench something that can't attack. So, yeah, I thought this was really cool. Like, I think, as we've been saying, like, Judge Path is just so strong. And Arceus actually trades well into a lot of decks. Like, it trades well into Lugia. And Colorless Lugia, because they don't have a thing to one-shot it. They literally just have Weirdeer. And you need, like, nine energy Weirdeer. Like, assuming there's some DTEs and stuff. Uh, he played Double Charon's Care, I'm just looking at in this list. So against Lost Box, against Lugia, you're just trading. So, yeah, I think Arceus is in a decent spot because you lose with Arceus to decks that can one-shot you. So, like, Chen Pao and Gardevoir. But like we're saying, like, that's probably maybe 20% of the meta. So if you can just ride the wave of, like, all the other matchups in the format, like, I think it could be well-positioned uh, again this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be... It's, like... I don't know, man. This, this game is so interesting sometimes where, like, you, a deck dies and then one guy does well with it one time. I guess in this case it's two guys. And you just see it everywhere again. And it's, like, one of those things where back in the day, um, that used to happen so much less because there, there wasn't access to all this data. Like, if this was back in the day and we were two months into the new format, some people would still think that Arceus is a top-tier deck just because there's no access to the data to see, like, oh, it hasn't top-aided in three months or whatever. So it's nice to see that kind of rear its head up again i like to see like random decks do well and i know there's a lot of talk about that too how this was like both of their first regionals both the finalists and they both just final the regional like it was nothing yeah, i think i read they they were like Yu-Gi-Oh players as well so like they obviously have card game experience but like yeah that's like pretty crazy your first regional you're just like winning yeah. and getting second so like that was insane like uh shout out to those guys yeah um just one more thing sorry one more thing i want to touch on um what are your and you don't have to leak you don't have to leak i know this is a i mean we're not we're not at those big numbers yet where you gotta worry no, about, I, I don't mind leaking don't worry <laughs> i don't mind leaking either um if we, you were to go into toronto right now if toronto is tomorrow 
What are you playing? Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> okay. Number one, Gardevoir. Number two, Chen Pao. Number three, Lugia. That's my list right now. I like it. That's it. I literally haven't. I can't play any other deck right now. I haven't tested it at all. Like, if I were to do a safe play, I'd play Gardevoir. Kyogre. Like, I can like try to grind out games with Kyogre, but I got a midterm on Friday. I'm not trying to do that. Like, like worst comes to worst, I'll be like, I already played this deck for like five months. I'll just play Chen Pao again. I don't care how well possession is. I'll just. Yes, I feel the same. It's like I, I feel so comfortable on Chen Pao. Like I know, like I'll play that deck like super well if I play it. Like even if it's not 100% the best meta, Gardevoir is also my second deck I play the most. But I do feel more comfortable on Chen Pao. But uh, what about yourself, Anil? What's what's your plays? I I genuinely don't even know why I asked. I already knew the answer. <laughs> um, but for me, I I'm leaning towards Tina right now. Just a, it's a comfort thing for me as well. Like I'm I, I feel really comfortable on Tina. I've done pretty well with it in the past and. I don't know. I've just been looking out. I want to play Lost Zone something. I just, like, the last two tournaments, I have not played Lost Zone, and I feel like I have not had control in my losses. So I'm looking at Tina. I'm looking at Goo, looking at Turbo. Like, could be anything. Goo's more of a meme. I don't yeah, think I'm I think Goo's a little bit of a meme. We didn't actually talk about Tina, because, like, that, that kind of, like, fell off the fell off the map. But I do think it, it is coming back a bit. A little scary that Lugia is so doing so well. But, yeah, if Arceus is continuously played, Charizard continues to see play, like, I, I actually can see Tina converting. Doesn't yeah. Tina have you're, a bad ride on? You're in a good spot into... Sorry? Does Tina have a bad ride on? I actually no, don't know. it's positive. Okay. You think it's positive? It's positive, for sure. Yeah. It's hard for them to blow up. If you legit, like, if you just go turn one or turn two and bench two Tina Vs and you evolve them both, the game's over. Because they can't deal with two. They can deal with one, but they can't deal with two. So, you just kind of run them over. Um, I think the reason why some people thought it was negatively favored is because people were playing it as if you were a Lost Zone box, like they weren't evolving to the V-Stars. But evolving to the, and I was guilty of this too, but um, evolving to the V-Stars is just like your win con. But if you go second versus Maradon, aren't they just going to boss one of your Tinas on their second turn? Like, doesn't the prize trade just fall apart for you? That's fine. That's fine. If they boss one, you just bench a, a third one, effectively. The idea is that they need more than three turns to attack, whereas you, I guess, I guess you do as well, just because of gates and stuff. But you, um, you trade positively because they're two shotting Tinas eventually. Um, I think if the Maradon player plays a Mew EX, it gets a bit dicey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If they play Mew EX, it's totally different. But I don't think most of them do anymore. I've tested a lot. Like I think I have like uh, probably forty games on it now on that matchup, and it's like it feels very favorable. But if there's a Mew EX, yeah. Yeah, but I yeah, think I most of the lists are playing Mew EX now, so it's a little scary. And you are can't they? play it around Mew EX. Oh, are they? I think one of the lists. I think the Ohio group played Mew EX in their deck, or I think JW did at least. They didn't. J. Oh no, JW did. He did. I don't okay. know about Jesse Parker. Okay. Like looking at it right now. Fair yeah, uh, hey, Jesse right. Parker there's, did play. There's a couple of them. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I've been thinking about it more. I'm like, okay, you have a bad Lugia matchup, and you also have a bad, like, Turbo Lossock matchup. So, like, I don't know how strongly I feel towards Giratina. But again, it's another deck where it's just, like, matchup roulette. And that's the thing I will go to my grave fighting that I, I do not think Tina is that negative into a regular loss box, but that's a story for another day. I think it's like 40 60, but it's like, you don't like not being. I, no, I, I, I think, think it's fine. I, think it's I actually think fine. it's fine. It's absolutely fine. I disagree. I also disagree. I think it's completely fine for Tina. <sighs> I don't think so. The one time I played Tina, I felt like I felt pretty good. Like if I was beating shred, Lost Box. If you just shred into them, that is so hard to deal with. Like you shred without a full bench, you're either baiting out a Dragonite V or you're two shotting my Tina. And then you can switch cart. So the one play I've been doing recently, and like this is like kind of something that I've only discovered, is like if you go second, I actually don't Cramorant anymore. I just abyss seek. Yeah, you don't. You just abyss seeking. You always yeah. just abyss seeking. Cramorant's <laughs> Cramorant's like literally in almost every matchup, Cramoranting on your second turn is a losing play. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, I played, Abyssinian um, is so much stronger. I played Tina at NAIC as well, and every single time I cram ranted, like day one, day two, every single time I cram ranted, I lost. It's just, like, it just doesn't it just feel feels, good. It's just a losing play. Yeah. Um. Well, for Tina, actually, I think it's pretty like before I really like the deck. Right now, I don't feel like it's that well positioned. I just I think it's I just like its comeback potential. Like you have Iono Double Roxanne, like your like your opponent's gonna whiff eventually. Like you have three like hard disruption cards, and you have Sableye, and you have like a Tina that can obliterate anything. So it has a lot of versatility uh, in the late game. In the early game, you're definitely like you're fighting for your life. Oh yeah. You know? And like the thing is, Tina hasn't really like broken through yet. Not not to like a top eight, not to anything like huge. It hasn't really broken through in this format. So like that's kind of encouraging to me. I'm like, okay, so you don't have a huge target on your it's back. Under and, the radar. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I think it could be a good choice. And I don't know. Like at the end of the day, like we've talked about before, just play with your play what you're comfortable with, man. Like yep, yeah, hundred percent agreed. <laughs> yeah. So nice. Well, let's let's wrap it up here. I thought this was a great episode. Uh, Lucas, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Uh, do you mind shouting out your socials for everyone to shout out? Let the people listening find you. Oh, uh, thank you for having me. Um, for my socials, you can follow me on Twitter at Zingod X I N G G O D. I'm on Medify now, so if you need, ever need some Chenpao coaching, I'm there. Um, you know, check out Kieran's YouTube channel, of course. Like I was on his first video, and it was an amazing video. And the content he's putting out is really amazing. Like especially with the his deck breakdowns with the, his uh, his guests. And I just want to shout out my sponsor too, TDG. Uh, they're a really great, great, um, great group. All my teammates are amazing. My manager is amazing. They really support me whenever I go to any tournament. Awesome, man. Thank you for the shout. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, for myself, you can find me as always on Twitter at Kieran underscore TCG. My YouTube's at Kieran TCG. I uh, got lots of deck breakdowns. So if you're trying to trying to practice for Toronto, even if you want to learn what decks do, uh, so you're more prepared against them, check that out. Uh, and also, yo, shout out Banana Games, just because I want to shout out Banana Games. Uh, if you're in Toronto, go check them out. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, Neil. I was okay, going to do that. You, you do your... <laughs> Banana yeah, Games is fire. Close out here. And Neil, do your close he out. He stole no, my no, whole no, no, thunder, no, man. No, 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 you know what? No, I'm no, over you, it. Okay, how about you, you give a better shout out for Banana Games? Um, no, I'm just going to... Give a depth shout out. <laughs> Fine. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, I got you, I got you. So, yeah, Banana Games is Kieran and I's sponsor. Uh, we just wanted to take a second to thank them. Uh, we haven't had a chance to in the first couple episodes. Uh, great spot for singles. They have probably one of the, the coolest sealed coolest collections ever, I've too. ever seen. A uh, lot of plushies right in downtown Toronto. The best store. Yeah, the it's best like the store in Toronto. sickest place. Yeah. So shout out Banana Games, man. They they keep us afloat. They uh, they help us out a lot. So shout out to them. Um, as for socials, you don't need my socials because I tweet the damn link every week. So if you click the link, you know my socials. Uh, <laughs> other than that, yeah, we'll we'll hop back on next week. We have one more week before Toronto, I think. Yeah, seventeenth. Yeah, one more week before Toronto, and uh, we'll have someone else on next week. But we'll see if they're as good as Mister Yellow Chanpao over there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, thanks for listening, everyone. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Have a great week.